Though the fandoms covers a genre of true crime, topics discussed in images may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fandoms, uh, a show about every fan's point of view. I know that that intro probably went a little bit harder than we intended to, but honestly, after I made it, we couldn't go without it. Um, tonight, we have Mike Bridey, uh, making a true crimer from TikTok and YouTube that will be joining us. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to go ahead and go over some of our movie recommendations with Pooja's Picks. So let's go ahead and play that now. Hello and welcome to Pooja's Picks. My name is Pooja and I'm here to bring you the latest in movie news. Let's get into some of my favorite picks for the week. From director Todd Haynes, May December is the latest Netflix film starring Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Charles Melton, and is attracting all kinds of awards buzz. The film follows an actress who travels to meet and study Gracie, the woman that she intends to portray in a film who is also infamous for her long-term relationship with her husband whom she met when he was 13. Much of the film draws several parallels to the life of Mary Kay Letourneau and Billy Fualau, which loosely inspired the film. You can check out my full review of May-December right on nerdinitiative.com. Calling all monster fans, because if you haven't heard about this one, you'll want to pay attention. From director Takashi Yamazaki, Godzilla Minus One takes place just after the devastating impacts of World War II as Japan struggles to fight against a new threat in the form of a gigantic monster? Whether you're new to the likes of Godzilla or you're a mega fan of this beast, let the immense amount of praise convince you to check this one out. And thankfully, the film has extended its limited theatrical run to December 14th, so if you haven't seen it yet or want to watch it again, you still have time. After years of fans believing he had finally put his pencil down, Hayao Miyazaki makes a triumphant return with his newest film, The Boy and the Heron. The film, also titled How Do You Live in Japan, follows a 12-year-old boy, Mahito, who is grappling with the loss of his mother. But when he's told that his mother might be alive, Mahito embarks on an otherworldly and unforgettable adventure. The film features an excellent cast of voice actors for both the Japanese subbed and English dubbed version, all of whom are sure to bring the magic of Miyazaki's storytelling to life in this beautiful animated feature. From director Yorgos Lanthimos, Poor Things follows the adventures of Bella Baxter, a woman brought back to life after a tragic incident who decides to seek freedom and equality as she rediscovers the world. The film stars Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Rami Youssef, and Willem Dafoe in this fantastical story of curiosity, self-discovery, and liberation. And there's something quite unique about this film that keeps making me want to see it more and more. Are you going to be checking this one out? 
Timothy Chalamet is Willy Wonka himself in Paul King's Wonka, which explores the titular character's beginnings and his rise within the chocolate-making business. For fans of the original 1971 film, which starred the iconic Gene Wilder as an older version of the character, Wonka is intended to serve as a prequel. And I don't know about you guys, but I think this looks so fun and magical. I cannot wait to step back into this world and be entranced this holiday season. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think I've misplaced my everlasting gobstopper. Well, that's all that I have for this week, but be sure to tune in to the next fandom episodes for more of Pooja's Picks. But until then, back to Tony. And we're back. Um, first of all, Will, welcome back to the show after, you know, being... And to living. <laughs> yes, the land of living after being violently ill from Thanksgiving. Um, again, never eat somebody else's deviled eggs. That's just you. You, you can't. You can't eat it anybody else's house. <laughs> Is that what you did? You actually went to so see. It was my mother-in-law's. I I actually cooked all of the foods that I like, brought them to my mother-in-law's house. But so so one of the questions that you had for tonight, you know, how do I know if my wife is trying to kill me? Um, it should have been how do I know if my mother-in-law is trying to kill me? Because mm. I don't know if you've ever watched like entitled people's stories on YouTube or whatever, because that's a story where a mother-in-law was poisoning their daughter in law. Oh man. So, but that Will was also thought he, life, actually. It's a really interesting story. Will thought he was going to a simple dinner, but it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> Sorry, on the topics, I almost feel like actually, who's that one nightline guy that uh he's always I don't know, he's I, I can't even I don't know any of their names, but it's this one guy and he's always the way he talks to people, he just he seems very abrupt when he's talking to them. But that's not what you did. Something along those lines. I'm sorry. I don't know why, but I felt like that was a really poor interpretation of Bill Cosby, which that's hey, Oh, well, that's nothing. You don't want to go there. But anyway, I digress. Sorry. Mm. Don't mean to So tonight we have, we have, and I, I, I'm pronouncing this correctly because I've practiced since he corrected me. Mike, now I can't, Mike Bridey. Bridey? Bridey? You're good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, I was trying to you, call him like Briatti earlier. It's you, you did the worst funny. thing possible, though. You put too much on it, and you got trapped in the name. I know that. Yeah. Instantly, you had self doubt. Like, wait, I know I said Bridie like seven times twenty seconds ago, but listen. In in, in all honesty, all honesty, first of all, first of all, might you? Might you? I don't know. I don't know. You got upside down. I think. Our, I think. Our, we've got a little bit of a I don't see anything. Uh, that would be a, uh, a, a, a restart situation. Yeah, there we go. Oh, now, let's see, uh, Mike, you might want to like uh, just move if you're using your phone, move your phone real quick because it looks like it, it oriented upside down real quick. And then um, there is an option for noise canceling. Um, if you go into the settings option, oh, um, dude, he, he's just looking to guest host on a podcast. He was I know homework. I know, or he's gonna have to use a. a like turn it this way and then turn it this way because for whatever reason you are flipped. Or the you know, or he's on a computer and the drivers have now gone south on him and he needs to reload. It's amazing the things that That's we see. Oh, this is weird. Um, I'm on my phone, but I can't hit settings or anything. Oh, uh, if you need to go out, yeah, yeah, let me do that real quick. Okay, okay. I just have to say I'm really looking forward to tonight because I am not a person that is 
deeply into the true uh, true crime genre, but my wife is. She listens to all kinds of podcasts with with titles that some I think are clever and some of them just seem dark. Like my favorite one was, um, well, I haven't, obviously Mike's got his own, uh, but, uh, and I'm not trying to plug anyone else's, but especially since I think they're not continuing with this podcast because unfortunately one of the hosts uh, had an accident and is now dealing with paralysis. So it, and that, but that, now that I've brought up that downer, Great name though, wife of crime, because the wife is in true crime. He isn't. Oh, okay. Like, and they could meet in between. It's like, God, that's a great name. So for me, um, mine and I was talking about I was talking about this earlier uh with Mike. Um it seems like um crime junkie is always like a big one. Um, if you don't know Ashley Flowers and Britt, um, which I don't know Britt's last name because for whatever reason, um they never announce her name in there. And I don't, I'm, I, I have very low attention span when it comes to stuff like that, but um, they do a great job. Mike, you're, you're back. Yay. By the way, you were thinking of Keith Morrison. Thank you. Well, no, yeah. Keith Morrison is the one that Keith Morrison sounds very kind of straightforward. Yeah. He's he, like the, actually, I think, on Dateline. Like he's like, I don't Dateline. weird. So she was going to go to a party. Yeah. Where was she? Yeah. <laughs> well i don't know let's will i hope i hope you did a amalgam of research with on mike because if you ever watch any of the opening of the making a true crimers like the i'm sorry if you get through the first seven seconds of him like explaining the person you're hooked it doesn't matter if like he does an entire soap commercial like after that intro like he does his little thing and it's like, hello, true crimers. And then I'm like sitting there going, okay, I just want to hear what's going on because it's like this, you know, this kid never expected to jump into a, a chocolate vat and die a horrible death. Hello, true crimers. I'm like, Oh yeah. my goodness. I want to know what this is. Wow. That's what, that's what you call not burying the lead. <laughs> wow. Well, especially oh. for one where you well, that's a, that's a smart move yeah. though. Cause you, you got to grab them right in a few seconds yeah. so you don't get them at all. I learned that. That Out of context, a, that sounded terrible. Sorry. Probably a few months into doing this, I learned that you have to like, I can't just start like, hi, this is the case of this. I have to like have like a, a line, you know, a grabber. Yeah, because most some people open up on TikTok, it's like so or okay, or yeah. it's it's not even thought through. And and it's just the simplest thing to open up. Like, I mean, even for this show, um, it took me however long to watch uh or one of our other our sister shows, uh Turner Page where our, our guy ODPH Ken jumps in and like has like this whole spiel. And I'm sitting there like, I really should say something like scripted beforehand. I still don't do it, but, but regardless. Um, so we've got a list of questions for you. We, 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 we didn't want to like weird you out. You had the option to, to, to say no to any of the questions that you wanted. So you're stuck now. Um, pretty hard to, pretty hard to weird me out. So 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 will what we'll do is we'll go back and forth i'll start with the first one you get a second one do you do you need me to send you the, the list or did i send it to you i i just remember there was one period where i was sitting there just sending you question after question after question so it might be best to i'm send gonna it i'm gonna send it to you right now will who knows what i did <laughs> well there was multiple questions about um you know how do i know if my wife is trying to kill me so Oh yeah, that's the main one. How do you? How do I know? What are the signs? Because there's, I figure you've had to have consumed enough empirical evidence 
to know that you know it's like well suddenly if she's changing what she's serving kind of thing yeah i was gonna say like if she suddenly starts to serve you drinks more often uh that's a red flag uh if you notice there's suddenly a lot of antifreeze purchases on your credit cards that's another red flag if she says hey I, what's good a life insurance policy at that point you're already dead if you, she's got a life insurance <laughs> policy on you, you're done it's, it's over <laughs> you know it's like don't it's let like, it get to if you see if you see antifreeze it's not because she's trying to get your motor running that's that's all it right, is. no you're trying to get your motor to stop running basically <laughs> Well, I'm I'm dropping the uh, the questions in um, in Discord, so you'll you'll see them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let me let me go ahead and just start this off. First of all, with Nerd Initiative, one of the biggest things we always do is we try to find out what people's nerd origin story. You know, it could be that that comic book that got you into being a nerd, or it was that movie that you grew up watching. For the true crime genre, it's got to be a little bit different. So, um, what 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 is it that kind of started you in your true crime journey? Yeah, I get that. I get that question a lot. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm 38 years old, so I grew up in the in the 90s and I grew up in Southern California. And every time I would go, I would come home from school. Usually I would be home alone because everyone else is still out doing their things. And I would, for some reason, as a child, would put on the show Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. And, it, you know, like you have. So I'm sitting there like doing my homework, but watching Unsolved Mysteries. And I was always like completely uh, fascinated by all of these crimes, but I also would like, it would scare the crap out of me as well because, you know, Robert Sack has that iconic voice and every time he would show like the, the sketch of like the killer and he was like, have you seen this man? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's down my hallway right now. Like it was always my first thought of like, pretty sure that guy is in my house. Even though this murder was in Ohio and I'm in California, I'm pretty sure he's here. Uh, but like that, it always, it, it was like that combination of being scared as hell by it, but also being intrigued by like how real every, how, it, cause it was, these are real stories. And so I was fascinated by the fact that like, oh, I'm sorry. I was actually more let down by the fact that we're never solved because well, it was called unsolved mysteries. So, uh, and so that was always like a bummer, but then like shows like forensic files came out. And then that's where I like sort of morphed into like, oh, there's science behind it now. And there's people are actually getting caught now. And that's when I really mm-hmm. began to like love the justice aspects of this whole genre. Like I love nothing more than seeing a person get caught and and thinking that they got away with it. And it's just like the best feeling when you see them in handcuffs and they're like being sentenced to whatever life in prison or death or whatever the case may be but yeah it's just i just like it all <laughs> yeah that makes that makes sense it's it's that gratification of it i i, I kind of feel the same way i think for me um i think i'm a little bit older will probably more so um would, re- would remember um like the 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 start of um america's most wanted that was like the yeah. big one that was like i think the first call to action I mean, you had problems like uh, you had crime solvers, um, but or crime stoppers, but but like America's Most Wanted was that first opportunity for us as the viewers to get involved and and shoot tips out. I don't know, unsolved mysteries just scared the crap out of me because it was like you know this person died and they don't know what happened and the person disappeared yeah. and never was seen again. Oh, and then there's alien abductions that are happening. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't I can't deal with this. Um, 
I, like but, I said, I'm 38 years old, and I, I watch old episodes for, like, sometimes to research a case, and I still get scared as a grown adult, nearly 40-year-old man by Robert Stack's voice. It's just his voice uh -huh. is just so terrifying. Well, and that accompanying music yeah. that always went with it, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they went hard. I, um... They went hard on that those those songs to really, like, creep you out. Yeah. Um, I think what was it? Unsolved Mysteries did a Netflix like a mini series. Uh, not too. I, I just I noped out of that. I couldn't do it. I high high anxiety, uh, high functioning anxiety with as an adult. No. Well, I'm the thing about the the Netflix version is it's like nothing like the original show. They only cover mm -hmm. like one story for one episode, and it's it's basically framed like every true crime like show that there is. Like the interview the families, and you know they do recreations and. But it's nothing. They have no narrator. There's no Robert Stack. Uh, they don't like mix in like multiple stories per episode. So it's it's only like the the same show in name, and that's it, basically. Okay. Still good. It's still very good. It's just not the same. Yeah. I just have to freely admit as well, because as as a true crimer, I'm sure you would appreciate this. I think part of my aversion from the genre is because I am born, raised, and lived most of my adult life in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it wasn't until after several family summers spent at Lake Berryessa that one day, and I was eight or nine years old, I discovered that something known as the Zodiac Killer yeah. was in the San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> and two of his most infamous attacks were in Lake Berryessa. Mm -hmm. And that, at, at at my young age, that scared the oh, yeah. crud out of me. And then it only got worse when it was discovered, and I can't remember whether this was a true one or if it was one of the uh, false ones that, that somebody had forged. But there was like one Halloween or, or one time in general that the Zodiac Killer also put out a diagram showing a, a wonderful idea for setting off things that go boom at the same height as like a bus that takes children mm -hmm. to a place of education. Yeah. I'm blunting yeah. my words here, but still, and, and that supposedly the, the plans or something about it was related to Mount Diablo, which is the mountain that immediately is around almost every place I've lived. So I think I've had a natural aversion from true crime because like one of the honey pots of the industry, if yeah. you will, is in my backyard. Yep. Yeah. I think being and a true crimer is going to be difficult, like in California and as well in Florida, because I feel like Florida is it. It just breeds it. So sorry yeah, if you live so, in Florida. So is uh, Ohio. I always say that Ohio is the Florida of true crime. It's just like hmm. the grossest place to to be alive because you just get murdered there like all the time. It's just like it's the <laughs> weirdest thing. I don't. <laughs> See that's funny because see I grew I grew right outside I grew up right outside the DC area which if you're a true crime fan this kind of falls into the realm of it just recently um, I grew up in Arlington Virginia um, Arlington had a very interesting situation where there was a uh, guy David Yo who um, was an IT um, engineer who started having conspiracy theories thought that his neighbors were either spying on him or trying to attack him and immediately. Like started like I, I think started show, shooting off like flares and you know things with bullets, and ended up with a showdown with the um, SWAT team where his house exploded. Nice. Like, oh, that's the, oh the one that just happened on the news was all of that's that. That's my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're talking about the thing that happened just like two or three nights ago, right? Yeah. Okay. You're describing something that sounds so magnificent. It could be something that came right out of the But 80s. there came a conspiracy theory after it because case. supposedly he was on YouTube posting comments that he didn't he wasn't in the explosion. Like so there's there's whole well, conspiracy you theory. See, Tony, that leads me into my question. Yeah. Uh because you know, when you're having to uh, generate content around this or even find something you're interested in you know if you're one of the one of the citizen investigators if you will that kind of delves into uh true crime and finds a case uh how do you find a source of stories and and how do you root out what's credible and and what's not you know like maybe you might detect some type of bias in some of the material how do you root out it what it is that that you're drawn to it can be difficult um so what i what i tend to do is i tend to look for like the locally written stories like that came directly from local newspapers and then i'll if if available i'll watch like the actual news clips of like them talking about the case because in those instances they're typically interviewing family or friends or people directly related to the situation and so you know you're getting a credible source from the actual people involved, as opposed to say like a website like uh, the Sun or Daily Mail, like where they're just sort of like this kind of third party entity that's just sort of talking about the story. And sometimes when you look at sort of places like the Sun or Daily Mail, that kind of thing, you're getting a lot of bias that they really do seem to like say, yep, this is definitely the guy, this is the killer, blah, 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 when they're still investigating the actual thing. Uh, and so, and that's that's the other thing too, is that I try not to cover cases that are still currently like being like investigated because the source of the information is always gonna be like constantly changing mm -hmm. and you don't wanna like, you don't wanna misinform, you know, the story itself because that's, detrimental to the investigation first and foremost and that's detrimental to the family and i like just i couldn't like do that it just would it would destroy me if i did that that, that was a good question that was a good statement because I, I was thinking about you know how soon is too soon to report on on something when it comes to true crime because there there have been times where you know, getting the information out, getting getting the news out is important and it helps toward catching someone. Yep. Um, like we were talking about, um, there's a question later on, I was talking about like, don't mess, uh, what was it? Uh, don't F with cats on Netflix. Yep. Like that whole, that whole thing. But that was happening real time where the, like the public on social media was catching this before law enforcement was. And so these people went on a vendetta to try to, you know, solve the crime or solve this person not realizing that this was a bigger deal at the time yeah. than just like really horrible things that involved cats and, and animals. Um, but then you have where you have people that are like armchair sleuths that could easily be causing issues and, and, and basically inhibiting an investigation. Um, and, and so there's kind of like that fine line to, to run there. So that's a good point. Something I didn't think about until you just mentioned it. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly fine line, especially like if it's a situation where the it's an unsolved case and they need information out there to like help catch the person. I can understand it, but if it's like a case where they actually have arrested someone, you know, there is that fine line of like you don't want to like 
you don't want to get prod too much into it because they have their person. And so you don't want like the armchair detectives be like, well, no, I think you're wrong about this. And like, well, we don't know what yeah. they have. So it's like, we're not, we don't have access to like the DNA and the, and the, you know, the fingerprints and all that. They have that police have that detectives have that we don't. Uh, and so you can't, we, a lot of times people just think they're smarter than they are when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it actually legitimately works, but a lot of times it doesn't. And it's not worth the, that side. It's not worth the, it not working. Um, so. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think what's interesting is I think the ones where it's worked the best have been cold cases. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Situations where like they've, they've kind of expended everything and it looks like law enforcement has reached out. I, I mean, you, you look at, I mentioned this when we were talking offline, um, Serial, the first season of Serial with the Anand Saeed and um, Haman Lee, you know, story. That happened in Baltimore. That was an hour away from where I lived. Um, and just kind of like, you know, knowing that situation and and getting more eyes on it and and more awareness. And yeah. and and then you have, um, there was one not too long ago. I, I don't remember the name of the, uh, of the podcast I listened to, but um, where it was, it was a sundown uh, city in, in the South. Um, basically uh, s- some young black men were, were murdered and it took 60, 70 years for yeah. justice for these men where finally there's this guy being arrested. That's like a leader in his church because he was part of the clan. And you have these like amazing stories of where just getting the word out there brought people out saying, Oh, I'm not alone in what I observed or, or what I witnessed. So yeah. I think those, I think, I think it being a cold case is probably one of the better exceptions. I'm, I'm not sure if you agree. No, yeah, no, hundred percent. I, that's why, cause people always ask me, they're always like, how come you're always covering cases that aren't solved? I'm like, because those are the ones that need answers. Those are the ones that actually families are still waiting to find out who killed their loved one or where their loved one is. Uh, you know, I know there's no closure, but you have to understand, like, you never know who might see your video. Like, yeah, you never know. I mean, I know I have a couple million followers on TikTok and I get a lot of views and all that, but it's like not even necessarily one of my videos. It could be another person's video. Like you just, it could be just that one video that gets 1200 views, but the right person sees it. And then you have, you might have an actual lead or a tip that actually helps solve it. Um, and that's why it's, I, I, I'm more cool with the armchair detectives when it comes to unsolved or cold cases, because mm-hmm it's it's just kind of like desperation hour like we need something or anything to help all this so why not why not give it a shot but if it's like a currently someone just got murdered like let's maybe let the police do their thing first and so we're not like hindering it too much kind of thing and i think you do a good job um and this is just me you know observing um you don't just do unsolved stories you do ones that have and i think i think everybody does those like it's i think it's more important to have some of those that need awareness but then at the same time you know it's fun to go back and you 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 know the whole uh luca magnata is i think one that a lot of people jump into um which is specifically if you've watched the netflix series don't f with cats um there's a there's a number of podcasts that have done a really good job um breaking that one down um, I think another staple that a lot of people go through is like the H. H. Holmes, the Murder Castle in Chicago. Um, <laughs> Will are you or are you aware of this one? What? He, oh my word! 
America's first serial killer. And I I, I just now found out about like one of the fundamentals, the origination of of true crime, if with you will, uh, because uh, the killings led to Truman Capote writing the story. And of course, I'm blanking on what it was, but you know, it was a horrible story about a, a family, an entire family, getting murdered because two idiots got news from another prisoner that this guy has a big safe. And oh, right, okay, ugh, can't even remember that. Okay, one. Let, I can't remember the well, name, but I just learned about so, it. So, so um, there's actually there's actually a um, a book that was inspired by H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. Um, I think it's called Creepers by um, the guy who does uh, David Morrell, uh, who does um, like uh, what's it, uh, Rambo and First Blood. Um, but basically world's fair, we're talking about a long time ago, a, uh, H H Holmes is working for a pharmacist. He ends up like killing the killing the guy and his wife, um, taking the insurance money. And that was the crux of the entire story. He was, he was literally just killing people for insurance money, but he yeah. got enough money from getting the pharmacy from the, from the husband and wife that he built a hotel next to the world's fair. And he designed it where not one set of construction workers knew the full plans. There were there were hidden passageways. There were trap doors. You could lock people into their rooms without anyone ever knowing. Like it was airtight. He would kill them, drop them down chutes, and basically dismember them and take their bones, bleach them, and then sell them to physicians. Like it, and he would he would hire people into his thing his his, his hotel. Um, and if you were single, you never came out alive. And he literally, it was, it was a murder castle. That's all I can say. It's the most, it, most entertaining, I think, story in history. It, it gives you the idea of all, if you've ever watched like, um, what is it? Uh, the, the children under the stairs, like the concept of like a booby trapped house, all of that's inspired from AJ Jones. Yeah. And I mean, there was actually even recently, I think one of those, uh, there was a video game that was based on H.H. Holmes. One of those, like, choose your own adventure, like, uh, kind of like the quarry games like that, where you, like, mm -hmm. pick your how you do it. But there was a video game literally based on H.H. Holmes. And now they're making, uh, well, I'm not sure how far in it they are, but Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be playing H.H. Holmes in a Martin Scorsese uh, production based on it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> like, I, 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 would, I, would, I would love to see that. Like, yeah. absolutely so but yeah if i think that was it was it, it was that one that kind of got me into wanting to know more about because like you just like look it up it, it's it's one of the one, one of the craziest stories i mean and then yeah. the, you you go back and like you you find out you know hannibal lecter and leatherface and all those characters are all based off of you know the same individual and and i, I almost feel like the story behind that is is almost creepier than those horror films just oh, yeah. kind of knowing how weird the well, guy that's was. kind of like how uh you know like texas chainsaw massacre and that kind of stuff they're they keep saying based on a true story well they, people don't understand that the true story is actually ed gein the guy mm -hmm. who like killed people and wore their skin as skin suits and all that but uh he wasn't like this chainsaw wielding guy with like a mask and running around but people think that's the actual story but yeah no it's it's kind of fascinating how these actual real stories turn into and inspire a whole bunch of like other movies. Cause they, I think Ed Gein also inspired psycho. Like it's just the most random. Yeah. Movie. 
<laughs> wasn't his mother wasn't his mother like like locked up in a bedroom like like he had just sealed it off and he she was inside there still body was yeah. in there somewhere i think i also know there was a there was a leather chair made out of human skin but there was a lot of weird stuff going on oh yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just sitting here I like a sheltered life. I'm telling you, your wife, you, you, you ask your wife. There's a lot my wife's not telling oh, me. There's, uh, I'm telling you, man, it, it's, it is, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. And then they, <laughs> like, even like when you don't think about true, true crime stuff, I mean, even like, like horror films based stuff off of, of true events, like the, the, there's a movie recently, uh, Winchester is based off of the Winchester family. Yeah. Um, the daughter, the, the heiress of the Winchester, you know, name Winchester guns, um, she literally believed she was haunted by all of the people who were, were killed by the weapons of her family. And so she built that house where yeah, there are doors anywhere and everywhere away. for the purpose of what she believed with her, her, you know, I've, with her superstition. I've always wanted to see that house in real life. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I almost, I have too. And it's, and I'm, I'm in the area, so I have no excuse. <laughs> oh Yeah. I'll tell you, like, it's almost one of the things, like, I know they dismantled, like, you know, they, and they dismantled a lot of these places. They dismantled the, they did, they destroyed or demolished the, uh, the, 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 the Dahmer building. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, they just, you know, immediately they destroyed the, the, uh, the murder castle after, you know, everything mm -hmm. was come to light. That was one of those, one of those things where I almost feel like it would have been, it should have been something that should have been kept. But then at the same time, I understand why, because the amount of people that were affected by it, it's almost like you have to figure out what the balance between, it being like almost memorialized for the sake of the victims or just for the sake of morbid curiosity. Correct. Like yeah. a tourist attraction compared to like an actual historical site kind of thing. I hate to say it. I'd hate to say it would have been a tourist trap, but that's a little bit too much on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would have been. <laughs> but fitting. <laughs> um, but okay. So, so um, going back with the questions that we had, I mean, cause like we're, we're, we're not following the rules very well. Um, You've been doing this for a while. How often does your mind go to the worst case scenario when something happens just in life, just be because of what you've looked at and researched and covered? Oh, always. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, so since like doing this, I've been doing this for about two and a half years now and I have become increasingly more paranoid. Uh, and I think I'm like becoming borderline agoraphobic, like just not wanting to leave my house because you you are more you tend to be more hyper aware of everything when you talk about these stories so much mm -hmm. and you just start to like observe people like why does this guy have a backpack in this in this area what's he planning to blow up like you just that's just uh, yeah it's just my mind always goes to worst case scenario if i see a car parked on the side of the road i'm like oh my god that's someone was probably kidnapped from that car and now i need to remember that i saw that car now you remember the, the 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 license plate number and all that. So you like you tend to like your your brain just goes off when you talk about this every single day, and you've talked about every possible scenario. <laughs> it's insane. I, I I think even on the periphery, because I just get the stories that my wife shares with me. You know, it's like it has changed the way I listen to other people tell stories. You know, it's like instantly I'm like. Oh, she dead. They're telling a story. I'm like, oh, she dead. Yeah. And then it's not the case at all. You know, it turns out a stranger gave her a blanket and it was a wonderful life and, <laughs> and not as dark as I was intending as, at all. Yeah. So. I've also been aware to not get married because see, that's your number one murderer right there is a spouse. So, 
Once again, coming back yeah. to the fact that how do I know my, my wife is trying house to kill me? Is an antifreeze house. Uh, there's no antifreeze allowed. There's nothing. There's just yeah, just you can't bring anything of, of out of source into this house. <laughs> also, if you if you start noticing that your spouse is buying things from like a photo like an old school photography company, right? Like because that's like the easiest way to, I think is to get uh, arsenic. Yep. <laughs> so there's a normal large I, purchase at hardware stores where they never never go there. Like, hey, why are you buying a giant human sized bin? Why are you buying so much acid? Like that's unusual. It's strange that you're I, buying rope and rubber gloves yeah, and trash bags no, along no. with bleach. What's that about? Yeah. L let me tell you something. There was a point, okay, I was uh, using just regular chlorine bleach as part of the cleaning solution for my pool. You know, all the changes, you try yeah. whatever you read on the internet. So there was a point, I was at the hardware store and I was getting six gallons of bleach. Just bleach. And not you go through the checkout and nobody even bleeds. So that's how that's you know you these are never triggers. Oh, they if not... you weren't buying chemicals that are needed to make meth, they don't care. Like I listen, I used to work in retail too, and so it's like I, you, they're not going to show you that they uh, or you know give you a visual cue. But believe me, we're, we're like, oh my god, this person in my head, I'm like, this person's buying a lot of bleach. Someone's dying tonight. Someone's covering <laughs> up a crime scene tonight. <laughs> At, at, the, at the point where the cashier is going like this, it's like yeah. it's, it's for tie dye. I promise. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure you look up at this camera real quick for me, just just in case, you know, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you or see it? Worse when the guy, go, you know, with all the with all the stuff, the rubber gloves and everything else, he's got like a a, a handsaw, and then all yeah. of a sudden he comes back thirty minutes later for like a reciprocating saw. It's like oh, that's no, that's actually happened before. There was a murder case where some guy bought a saw, and the saw wasn't working good enough. So he literally walks into a Home Depot with bloody clothing to buy a more powerful saw to dismember whoever he was dismembering, and it's just like. Did you try to return the other saw with your receipt? Like, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> At that point, it's like, this This didn't seem to, like, you just, or you just, you know, if you want to have a good time, just go to the hardware store. It's like, so, like, how how good are these blades? Would you say they cut through yeah. bone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these good bone tendons can be a little tricky, though, I've heard. You know? <laughs> how much arsenic is too much? <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> I think at that point the rule is it's never enough, but it's like. <laughs> so what does the rat poison taste like yeah. in coffee? Yeah, which rat poison has the least flavor? I'm just, you know, connoisseur. Yeah. I don't want them to know it's in yeah. there. Them. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to serve. It's like, listen, my my rats are very specific. They don't like just rat poison. I need to put it in some type of a tea. Like, how well, well does this dissolve? And that's literally why, because people were killing other people with antifreeze so much that they had to add a sweetness to it so that when people would taste it, they would recognize it. So that oh, wow. they, had, they had to add flavor to antifreeze because so many people were using it to murder people uh, because it had no taste originally. And so they never knew what they were drinking when they spiked Now it. what they realize is that they've added sweetness to it. It's just like the, di the better diabetic option. Like, you know. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. No sugar. You're you're good. Oh, yeah. I just put it it's in, keto friendly. Put it in a glass of orange juice, and it's gonna be hidden. So it's you know. Yeah, don't don't drink orange juice. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, oh my goodness. Um, Will, you want to go next? Yeah, no, you know, it, like, again, I'm coming at this mostly from the outsider perspective. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have been known to get drawn into, like, the zeitgeist items. And now that this genre really has come so far in, in even the last three years, what is your take on some of the earlier stage things, you know, like, like looking back on it now, like the rights and wrongs of making a murderer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I could. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, my page is named Making a True Crimer. The reason why is because right. uh, I named it after my favorite true crime docuseries, Making a Murderer. So the whole thing is inspired. My whole page is inspired off of that title uh, because I am. Yeah, I figured yeah, as much. I am unhealthily <laughs> obsessed with that case. Uh, and, and that's in that case when it, well, I should say the case itself didn't, but when Netflix put it on Netflix, that was the one, that was the one show I really feel actually kicked the true crime genre into high gear because mm -hmm. it was watched by millions and millions of people. You had all of these people who now knew the story and all these people had these opinions about like, he didn't do it or he did do it or he was framed. No, he wasn't framed. And and so that's ultimately what I think just really started this entire modern genre, I guess you can say, of true crime. Um, but I could literally talk for days about that entire show, that entire case, because I'm very obsessed with it. <laughs> it's, it's borderline scary. It, it really just, <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of the things that I took away from it, because, you know, we can never really know yeah. what happened right. unless somebody talks. But it had so many things that it just seems like law enforcement handled so poorly mm -hmm. that because they were genuinely, it seemed, interested in, in getting to a case they could present over, like, finding out the truth. Yeah, I, it just, I think... That, and then that's probably why it was so captivating, because in the end, you really have no clue still. Correct. Yeah, you have the guy, you have two people in prison for this murder, but... At the end of the day, you're like, I don't really know if they did it. Like, and so, and I don't, I wouldn't even say the police were handled it poorly. I think they handled it intelligently in the sense of they knew what they were doing to make sure the evidence was there, the evidence was there to get the guy they wanted to get. Because this all conveniently happened right in the middle of a $36 million lawsuit where he is suing them. And then suddenly a mm -hmm. body drops up on his property convenient you know it's just kind of like so it makes you question a whole bunch of things about it yeah 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 definitely and and that's really it, it, but now that i i hear that you are like obsessed about it how well do you think that that first pass because i i believe they came out with like a second season mm -hmm. that's like follow-ups on all the legal yeah. actions basically after the first one but how do you feel they did in the story that they told versus the facts that that you've been able to determine. So I will say, you know, the, or details. Let's not say yeah, facts. right because that's kind of hard to know. Uh, the first season, I will admit, is actually fairly biased towards like Stephen Avery's innocence and Cassie's mm -hmm. innocence. Um, but when you look at like the actual court documents and you read through like 
testimonies and you look at the evidence and you see what was withheld and what wasn't, you really can go, maybe it really wasn't that biased. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, there is, it does lean, it does still lean more towards, but they're kind of basically trying to paint Stephen Avery as almost like a good guy who just got caught up in this. And the reality is, is he isn't a good guy. He's kind of a crappy person. He threw right. a cat, a living cat into a fire. Like the guy's mm -hmm. awful, but that also speaks volumes about people like, I guess me and other people like me who are like, despite all of that, despite mm -hmm. him being a crappy person, I still can't sit here and say, well, does that mean he deserves to be in prison for life for something mm -hmm. he may not have done? Uh, and so it's like, and that's where the, you get a lot of, you get that morality question also kicking in like, well, okay, he did all these bad things. So who really cares if he's in there? And the people who should care are the people, uh, you know, the Teresa Halbach's family. Like, I'd want to know if I have the right person. I wouldn't want to, like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be like, well, they got the guy, maybe it's him. I would want to know for absolute certainty that the right person who killed my loved one is in prison and not out there killing someone else. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. My, um, so, so I growing up and, and it's something that I don't really talk about on social media too much, but like in 96, my uncle was shot, killed. It was a, it was a, it was, he was walking his dog and these two guys walked up to him, wanted money. Um, and the, what we don't know for sure, because they'd never admitted what exactly happened after this. My uncle had a pocket knife in his back pocket where his wallet was. And we think that either he tried to fight back or when he went to pull his wallet out, the, the knife came out and they, they shot him. Um, they ended up they ended up getting getting both of the guys. Um, one did a plea deal to go against the other. The other one was supposed to be in, in, in prison for I think it was at least 25 years, but they got caught up on a Brady violation. And of course, if you're in true crime, you know that Brady Brady violations that we, th those are kind of like the bread and butter of getting off the hook if you're convicted yeah. or something. Um, and so they reduced his sentence. It was more because of a mis misconduct by one of the detectives. Um, that kind of led to him getting a reduced sentence. Um, but what's interesting with the, these true crime stories, you have a lot of of people that are learning kind of the lingo and the the the, the explanation of things that happen um, within the legal justice system. I think it also is what's kind of brought us with some of the distrust that happens um, with law enforcement or with the process. Because again, though is a system that tries to bring justice, it's not always you know, a perfect system and there are, there are problems throughout it. Um, and it, it kind of, it makes, it makes you wonder, does it, does it help or does it hurt the process and, and the and idea of seeing, you know, where these issues are? Because I remember from, from myself watching the making a murderer, um, at one point you get to a, a point in the thing, you're like, yeah, the police are really rigging this. And yeah. you you start to to question, and then at one point you're like, oh, wait, wait, maybe he's just that bad, and then you don't know what to believe. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I, I think it's important, I guess, for everyone to just know all of it, to see all of it. I think it's more important for people to see the bad side of these things because, I mean, I've I've literally showed videos of clips on like some of the videos I've showed of police officers literally coercing a person into confessing and they're saying you they're like cops are saying you did it so you admit it and then yep. you find out what they don't tell you you find out later in the court documents is that that person was literally in there for 48 hours being told for 48 straight hours you did this and they're saying no i didn't no i didn't no i didn't 
and then they finally said okay maybe i did you know like people don't people yeah. need to see that yeah because you just want it to stop yeah, exactly and that happens so often you also have the flip side where exactly like in the making a murderer case brendan dassey has an iq of less than 80 he's like 78 or something he didn't know what was going on when he was being questioned he had absolutely no clue and you can tell it he thought yeah. he was walking out of that room and going back to school and he he had just said talked about a murder and he still thought okay i'm going back to my class right and so you have that too where they they see that and they go oh okay i can take advantage of this of this 16 year old kid and i can get him to say what i want him to say and we can be done with this so it yeah. happens oh so much and it's i think it's important that people see physically see that happening to understand. you know I, I i don't i don't want to rehash the case but can you just remind one thing for me because i i seem to recall in the thing that sent avery back to jail um the basically remains were found in the fire pit Correct. of his location but was there any other dna elsewhere that tied the victim to the location no, no dna no hair and they they claimed that she had been strapped to his bed and fighting and that her throat was cut while on their bed yet they they didn't find a single drop of blood anywhere on that property anywhere and there's no way and you see these i mean i hate to say this but you see these guys and you just know, oh, I know. They're, they're, you know, they weren't smart enough. They're not the setting up a Dexter kill room. Types. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. No, he lived in the trailer, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to be like, I don't want to say it in a rude way, but yeah, they're both, both of them were unintelligent people, uh, just literally based on their IQs. Like they didn't, there was not a lot of awareness going on with them. So now you're saying they're like the most expert crime, crime scene cleanup people on the planet. Because how do you get blood out of all of that carpet and, and blankets and all that? Mm -hmm. Like how? <laughs> like it's just. Uh, but and there's also the fact that there were bones found on a, in a quarry pit, way away from the property, that the prosecution said no, those cannot be human bones, and those are not Teresa Hallbach's bones. Oh, that's. But the funny thing is, is Stephen Avery's current lawyer Kathleen Zellner found out that the police gave all of the remains of Teresa Hallback back to her family to bury or to cremate or whatever. But they also gave them the box of bones from the quarry pit that weren't human remains or her remains, according to them. But they gave those mm. to the family. Wow. Even though they had no, they, they said in court, those are not Teresa's remains. Those are not, because the thing is, is that would destroy their entire narrative of, Teresa Halbach going onto the property and never leaving the property because the quarry pit is like a, was like half a mile or a mile away or something. And so that would mm -hmm. their entire thing, but they secretly wow. gave those bones back to her family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's seriously, that's the reason why this particular case is so compelling yeah. because it's just, there are so many oddities yeah. on both, both sides mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you're just like oh yeah <laughs> now i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch. well it. it's also it, that show also opened a lot of people's eyes to like just okay i want to see i want to see this confession now i want to watch this confession i want to see people are like i want to see this evidence now like they want people now want to see it in order to believe it to, to see that this is the actual killer that show really I, I do a I, lot of eyes i i, I do 
I do know that I've watched too much Dateline with my wife, though. I don't really, you know, I'm like passively watching it. But man, I tell you, there's always a certain point during some of the what we'll call the interviews because it's not a, it doesn't become a confession until they say right. something. But there's always some point where I'm like, that person's putting on too much of a yeah. show. They're involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, because like, typically there was there was a murder that happened not, not too long ago people. where there was a guy obsessed with his next door neighbor. And he ended up killing her. And he was the only person, he was like the main person on the news reporting about how he was devastated at her loss. Oh, and, Stephen McDaniel. Yeah, where he like, she was in the suitcases yeah. outside. And yeah, like. Uh, yeah, they interviewed him on the oh, instantly. Oh, Stephen McDaniel. And she, the, yeah, the news anchor Love was it. like, oh, they found a body. And he's like. You could see. They, the there are, like, they you can see him lose the color in his, like. It, yeah. And then if you watch his interrogation, it is the craziest, scariest interrogation I have ever seen. Because he just sits there with his hands on the table, looks straight ahead, and they ask him questions, and all he goes is, yes, no, no. Like, it's terrifying. It, oh, it's so uns But you, you have to watch it, too. It's like, it's just so captivating. Yeah. Just how detached they quickly yeah, right. get. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, I'll tell you some of the some of the some of the interrogations are more terrifying. Like I, I go back to uh, not a while about the person, but Doctor Phil when he did the, the what was it the kid murderers? There's the one kid that like he like drops a register and he's like this deep like almost like he gives it like the kind of like this demonic sound when he's coming out. And it's just you you realize that it's you know what they say it's like not all mentally ill. Are, are criminal but a lot of the criminal criminal uh the criminals are mentally ill and there's this there there's this there's this this disconnect where i think we're just not doing good justice for people um you know getting them the help that they need now some of this i just i don't know i, I don't know if it's nature or nurture um but where do you like you know kind of learn how to you know make a leather you know human chair and you know right start wearing your mother's mat your face and it's yeah it's it, not it, exactly it, you just go hey you know what i want to know what a leather face mask or, a, or what a person's face feels like on my face like you know what i think would make <laughs> me feel complete in right. life hmm. which was interesting though because going back to that that murderer when you think about silence of the lambs and buffalo bill they they played on the idea of him cross-dressing which was never an issue with the actual individual in the source material like from 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 the story you know he was he he was almost like it was almost like an unrequited like like attraction to women that they didn't you know they they would not reciprocate so he would kill them and take them and and yeah. keep them to the point of where he even like um dug up the grave of one person and and brought her back so you know it's 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 kind of interesting even the narratives on how they do these stories inspired by you know, are tainted, you know, by like, I guess, popular conception or perception. Yeah. I have all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. whatever they need to make it sell more as well. They yeah. need to make a person even crazier or seem even crazier, or they need to give them, they need to embellish something about them. It's because it's more of like a, a, a grab for the audience basically, which I get. I mean, I understand if, as long as you're not saying like, you know, like, let's say, you're making a movie based off of the Zodiac killer, but it's a completely different story. It's not Zodiac or whatever. And, you know, you can make changes like that, but if you're covering, if you're making a movie literally like the Zodiac movie, which by the way, is one of the 
best true crime inspired movies like of all time, uh, mm-hmm. Zodiac with like Robert Jennings Jr. and all that. Oh yeah. Thank you. I'm like, wait, which one was it? Because it was Robert like Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal, and yeah. yeah, it was a fantastic film. Oh, it's it's one of the yeah, mo- th- not the kind of thing you want to be watching at one a.m. No. And unfortunately, no, that's because when, I watched when they were it. showing like the the uh, one of the lakes where when they were getting stabbed, it looked like these people were being stabbed, like these actors. It was so mm-hmm. real. Um, <laughs> the, the the part that cut me to the quick though was the uh, the phone call that came into KTVU. That part I did oh. not really dig in the middle of the night yeah i mean you don't know who was on the phone but that was a hundred percent crazy coming through yeah but yeah Yeah. it's it's like if you're gonna be making a movie like zodiac stick to don't embellish it but if you're making a movie inspired by zodiac sure i guess you could embellish it and add things in there audience Mm -hmm. to to grab them but because yeah i think they'll have to do that with hh holmes uh storyline if they go that route Oh, yeah. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio on his own, if he is still the actor, that's already, like, the grab they need, you know, because he plays crazy really well, so... Uh. And he's played roles where he's even looked like H.H. Holmes, so mm-hmm. I could exactly easily see him. Oh, yeah. So, well, you gotta, look at the, you gotta look at the story. It's one of the one of my favorite true crime stories. Oh, yeah, it's wild. I, I will definitely do that. Um, We're gonna skip through some of the questions, because uh, honestly, we're, we've taken up way too much of your time already. Um, But... But here's here's a good question. Um, and by the way, I'm loving this. I could probably go two hours like just talking about your crime. Um, what would you probably say is the most frustrating or irritating true crime story that you've encountered? It's maybe it's something that you know just the way it was handled. Maybe it's making a making a murder, um, but it's just you know it, well, it, it was infuriating how it how it was handled or how the story is kind of playing out. Yeah. I mean, let's first and foremost, yeah. The making murder case absolutely is the most infuriating thing I've ever experienced. Um, but uh, besides that, like I, I gravitate to like the Casey Anthony story that just makes my blood boil on how uh, like everything was going great until the jury made their decision. The worst decision I've ever heard in my life uh, and so, like, that one really frustrates the hell out of me. But another one that's recent, and I've talked about this case a lot on my TikTok page, is the Grant Solomon case um, in Tennessee. This young man who was allegedly killed by his dad because he was found with his own truck on top of him. Uh, and Aaron Solomon was, like, this anchor in Nashville, Tennessee, who sexually assaulted his own daughter and Grant Solomon was basically going to rat him out. But then Grant Solomon, before that even happens, is found dead under his truck. But no one investigates it. It's not being investigated as a murder. It's not being investigated as anything. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's so obviously a murder. But the, there, it's just no one, literally no one. They were there for 15 minutes and said, eh, yeah, it's an accident. And they just did this and closed it. And no one's getting justice, like, at all. This guy is out there roaming the world, free as a bird. And it's just, it's beyond frustrating to, like, to see this happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, recently there was, I, I say recently, it's been a couple years now. Um, there was a um, a podcast that went over some of, of indigenous women that were were coming missing in in canada and how the rcmp wasn't even considering it like a possibility of it being a serial killer 
And I remember the majority of the podcast was them just trying to dredge these lakes, hoping to find something, you yeah. know, so they can at least bring closure to the family because the police still weren't taking it, you know, taking it seriously. Um, yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because the MMIW cases, I have a playlist on TikTok where I talk about them. And I get really frustrated because when you look up, I can sometimes cover four or five indigenous women cases in one video, in one three minute video, because there's like these women's lives get get literally narrowed down to a sentence. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry about my dog barking in the background, by the way. But uh, oh, that's fine. Oh, that's I'm just worried that there's like a killer outside. That's <laughs> no, 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 just my annoying dog. Um, but no, like you, there these women's stories get brought down to a sentence of they went missing this one day, their bones were found a year later. That's it. And it's yeah. like, and it's, it's, it makes people always ask me like, is this really a thing where indigenous women are just not cared about? I'm like, yeah, it's really a thing. Like in the United States, in Canada, they get murdered, they go missing. Nobody cares. And because they know nobody cares. They're, I mean, there's, right. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I wish I would have had the, the stats for it, but I, they, they were asking like, um, there was a, there were the statistics recently that came out about how many serial killers there are per capita in different countries. And I think, I I think, you know, people assume like India would have the most because of the amount of people that were there, but like America has more serial killers. And I I think it was North America. I think in Canada was included per capita. And it was, it was not even by a margin of like a hundred serial killers. It wasn't even by a thousand serial killers. It was like tens of thousands of serial killers that are read that are, that are known of. Yeah. in this country and of course they're going to go for the, the the marginalized communities that are not going to be you know properly cared for and, you know it's it's one thing when you have like i know like with the loss of my my uncle um our family rallied together and my mom kept up with the with the the prosecutors and wanted to know what was going on and 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 so you had you have families that are advocating for the deceased and then you have these other individuals who maybe don't have that support base, who don't have a galvanizing family that are going to support for them. And they get lost and they think, well, since nobody cares, they probably just ran away or they don't want to be found. And they're like, oh, they were found. I, they, it was probably just an accident or an overdose. And they just they dismiss it. So it almost makes me wonder how many how many murders and how many serial killers are out there that aren't going to be caught because they don't care enough to look. Oh, man. You know, I, I I hate to bring up this social aspect, but I think, you know, that's one item that's kind of looked at. But I also think that there are people of color that just either aren't taken seriously or they aren't they aren't receiving the proper justice that they should be. Like in my area, there was a, a teen girl, Alexis Gabe, that was murdered. And like when you look at the case, it's amazing that the that the D.A. of the city didn't seem to ever pursue any charges because it in the long run it it really looks like it was the boyfriend that did it but he died in a shootout with cops in the southern california his mom isn't talking but i believe there's even like video footage of one point that would be around the time that something may have happened where the mom is seen helping him carry trash bags out to the car you know and 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 in this case it's almost everyone involved is a person of color and it's like why aren't you getting proper justice here? Yeah. yeah, I I definitely notice that a lot. 
uh, where there's either a lack of information or a lack of justice or a lack of care, all of the above for people of color, for indigenous people. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling. And it's also mind boggling how it's, no one's hiding it. Like, it's just like their lack of care, yeah. lack of empathy and lack of desire to solve these cases. It's, it's, it's out and loud. It's like, it's just, yeah, we're not doing anything about it. <laughs> like This is basically what it's, what it is. Yeah. And I think also like it, it is everything. It, it, they'll, they'll even go after like, you know, people that are of more at-risk lifestyles, they'll throw in the LGBT community, um, and they'll say that they they put themselves in a position where they are they they run victim, but nobody nobody deserves to be a victim. And um, it's 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 nice to see when people focus, no matter who they are, and 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 search for justice. And I think that's one of the things that I think. Like, like you said earlier, I really, oh, you disappeared. Um, that like, uh, like, like you said earlier, it's, it's about finding justice. And, and, um, I think that's, what's so satisfying. I don't ever believe in karma because I, I, um, I always, I always say the idea of like, if I ever got the karma that, that I deserve, um, that would be horrible. Um, you know, we, we never want to get what we, you know, we should never say people should get what they deserve, but at the same time, there should be justice for, for heinous acts, regardless of, who yeah. it's to. And I, I started doing this series. I do a live stream every week called, let's uh, say, Loved One Live Streams. And I, I, so I have a family member of one of the victim come on and we talk for like an hour or whatever about the case. And I did one recently where basically this woman was essentially considered a sex worker. She was killed. And it's kind of, you get the vibe of like, well, sex worker, she asked for it. So, you know, you, yeah. you get that a lot. And it's, I, I always tell like the, the victim's family member, like I don't care what her lifestyle was, I don't care what her what she did or what she didn't do. Like this person did not deserve to be murdered, and they were murdered. Therefore, they deserve justice just as much as like if I were to get murdered or one of you know, one of you guys or whatever. Like it's just exactly. it should be like an equal thing. Like I deserve it just as much as this murdered sex worker or this murdered drug addict or whatever the case may be, like they're mm -hmm. people in the end. <laughs> and that's what yeah. gets lost in the true crime world a lot. Yeah. Well, we are in the hour mark uh, a little bit past an hour. I have one last question for you and then I'll let you go. Um, but what are some good sources for people to check out for them to start their true crime story or their, their true crime journey? Uh, what would you make? What recommendations would you make? In terms of like, like content wanting to creators. get into the true crime fandom, like you know, just kind of a way to get themselves uh, like dipping into the genre. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I would say like TikTok and YouTube are actually really wonderful resources now uh, for people to get into it. It's, you know, you got TikTok if you like if you're a short attention span kind of person, or you got YouTube if you are if you can sit down and watch a twenty to thirty minute story. Uh, I would definitely say that, and then. Like me, for example, I go onto like Amazon Prime and I just type in true crime and I just will binge watch whatever show, like See No Evil or something like that. It's just like these shows and you get you get wrapped up into them so quickly. But there are so many. I mean, it's you're inundated with true crime content wherever you are. And yeah. it's on every platform and it's so easy to get into it. It's just I would always tell people, though, if you're going to be doing it, make sure you 
you aren't uh, squeamish or you don't have you're not like faint of heart or anything because you're gonna see some some bad things, some really bad things. So. And be careful where where you are where you're at when you're consuming. I'm gonna leave with this story. Um, my wife had a business trip a couple years ago to to Las Vegas. And so she needed to be picked up from Dulles International Airport in 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 Virginia. And I was sitting in the um, the the pickup lane at the airport, and I was listening to a true crime story about a person who was abducted from their car. And I did not realize that I was in the chauffeur lane. And so the police officer knocked on the window while I was listening to the, the story and I screamed at the top of my lungs and I screamed through the window so loudly. And I, my, my face was so, was so full of emotion that he began to scream. <laughs> and then we had more police because they thought something else was going on. So just be careful where you are when you're consuming true crime. Um, because yeah. also delete yeah. your search history. If you're uh, really into true crime uh, and really get into it, just delete your search history like every day, you know, just in case. It might be a good idea. You know, yeah. not, uh, you know, if for some reason you're going to blackmail situation, yeah. you don't want to leave those right. type of breadcrumbs right. or, or, uh, false. My Google search history is, I mean, I'm going to be convicted of murder. It just, just based on my Google search history. It's, it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> good point. And with that said, we are not sponsored by them, but I'm just going to let, let you guys know about express VPN. Um, a great way for you to remain anonymous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll sponsor us one day. Oh. <laughs> My goodness. That, that's perfect. Cover your tracks. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Mike, Mike, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been, I think, eye-opening for Will and as, as entertaining as, as I think any show has been in a long while. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, just uh, look for any freeze in your garage. Just if you guys, if you have any. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I'm the guy that brings all that kind of stuff in the house. So I, I know it's there. If, I, I know if something was unusually located. It's like, I didn't do that. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully, we also don't usually uh, clean clean with with bleach much. We maybe have one container in the house at a time. We're we're more of a vinegar cleaning hat family. So, uh, why did why did she buy a hundred pounds of that clumping kitty? Liquor? What? Why? Why is there so much lie? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Quick! Oh. I didn't think we were doing landscaping in the backyard. What is that? Why is there a human sized composter coming in the mail? <laughs> Yeah, just double check. I mean, I mean, let's face it. That is that is the you feel bad for the victims, but then like that is the one thing that I think that keeps all rational people from doing stupid yeah. things is that, you know, it seems like one of the hardest things to do in this world is get rid of a body. Correct. Nowadays especially, yeah. 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 Cuz yeah, you, you can't Sweeney taught it. It's just the way no. it is. Yeah, your phone is a tracking system now, so it's like it, it follows you everywhere. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's going to happen if you have a if you have an Amazon device or an Echo device. Just even talking about it, it's it's been listening to all this conversation. Yeah. 
if you start if you start getting like if, if you're watching this on loud and you're not using headphones and you're you know watching the show later on and you start getting recommendations by alexa for industrial strength trash bags and stuff like that just understand <laughs> the, it, everything is being listened to she thinks you want to kill someone <laughs> and with that said um be sure to follow mike Bri i did it again mike mike Bridie. there you go there Mike Brighty, Making a True Crimer. You can find him on YouTube and on TikTok. Um, all of his socials are there. That takes you to his link tree. Um, great information. Love the stories. Um, he's the reason why I was obsessed about industrial accidents not too long ago. Um, one video about somebody getting stuck into a paper roller and then you're just down the rabbit hole. Um, uh, so That's how my I YouTube searches are really those stories. Oh yeah. I feel so good that I get hamster rave so often <laughs> now in my feed. Um, but be for, be sure to check him out, follow the QR code. You'll find more information about what he's got going on there. Um, and then also be sure if you're interested in more of what's going on with nerd initiative, go ahead and uh, follow our, our, our contact link. Um, this will allow, allow you to get into our newsletter. Um, we'll be, you know, with different types of giveaways and information of what's new um, with nerd initiative. Uh, be sure to check out uh, Turn a Page, um, our comic book show every Tuesday night. Along with them, we also have our Nerd Initiative Wrestling Night Live. Rich is right on it tonight. Um, wrestling Night Live, if you are a wrestling fan, um, anything professional wrestling, be sure to check them out. They often will also do pre-shows before some of the, uh, the pay-per-view events, uh, but you can catch them on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. And then also, don't forget about our Wednesday new comic book day drops that happen on the Nerd Initiative website. Um, all of the all of the different type of publishers, um, great stuff that's been going on there. Um, they've been doing a great job and being recognized by a lot of the publishers. So that's fantastic. And of course, to keep the lights on. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we do that, um, we have the Cheersies Awards. If you would like to nominate or vote on um, individuals for inking for publishers, for best stories of the year, um, go there. Uh, because on Tuesday, January 2nd, we'll be doing our uh, our first Nerd Initiative Cheerses Award. But I believe this is the fifth, um, the fifth, uh, fifth year. Rich is shaking his head yes. So um, we're going to go ahead and go with yes on that. Um, and so be sure. And in fact, there we've even got these really cool, um, I 3D printed, I 3D printed little trophies so that people actually can have a physical, a physical recognition for, um, for actually winning one of these, they can just throw away later on if they want. Um, but, uh, and then finally to keep the lights on, I do have to say, check out our merch store. We'd love to have you see those things. Uh, we'll be posting some new things, uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, but with that said, Mike Bridey, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. Um, and, uh, any, anything else you want to say before we go? Did I miss anything? No, yeah, just don't Maybe kill anyone. Don't become a subject of on my page. Will's going to go now and find out if there's any extra purchases for antifreeze. Yeah, just double check for life insurance policies because if there is one, it's you're it's done. You're already, it's already over. See, I, I always told my wife when with, with my employer we get really good life insurance. Um, that she's like she's like so we have life insurance. I'm like yeah, I have life insurance on all of us, and I said but I will not tell you the amount on me. So, <laughs> That's none your business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's like that problem with Pam lady. It's like y'all weren't looking. I oh, mean, God. her mother falls off a balcony, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. 
But with that said, yeah, buy some stuff. <laughs> but with that said, thank you all for joining us this evening. This has been Fandoms, a show from every fan's point of view. And if you're a true crime fan, again, check out Mike Bridey's uh, information. Uh, you'll you'll love his videos. I know I do. Um, and with that said, have a wonderful evening and stay safe.